Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever and brought Israel through the midst of it. His love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love endures forever. To him who led his people through the desert, his love endures forever. Who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Shihan, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. To the one who remembered us in our lowest state, his love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies, his love endures forever. And who gives food to every creature, his love endures forever. Give thanks to God of heaven, his love endures forever. Thank you, Sue. So, one of the things that I think is very common that we do is in looking at any area of life, we will often overlook one of the most important qualities necessary to live that way of life well, okay? So when we look at any, anything in life, we'll, we'll go with it's football season. I'm allowed to talk football this season. Uh, when you think about the, the qualities of a good football player, and we'll get even more specific, we'll talk about an offensive lineman, right? And the linemen, they're these, these dudes these, that, that stand on the f- on the line, they stand on the line and they protect the quarterback. They try to make sure that nobody tackles the quarterback. And then they also try to open up holes for the running backs to move through. Okay, That's what the, the linemen do. At least that's me. That's the musician's understanding of what a lineman does. Um, uh, now, when you think about what are the qualities of a great offensive lineman, the kind of things that you know, I think most people would think of, well, big you know, massive size, right? I was, uh, my son's gotten really interested in the scale. We have a bathroom scale, and, and he loves to see how much I weigh, and then he loves to see how much I weigh when I hold him. And, um, and the scale only goes to 280. And, 
if you're going to be an offensive lineman, you're going to have to get a new scale, right? I mean, because one of the qualities, important qualities of an offensive lineman is you've got to be huge. You've got to be, man, these guys are like 300 pounds, right? So, so that's a quality that most people recognize is necessary of an offensive lineman. It's got to be huge. Secondly, strong, right? And this is just kind of obvious. This dude's got to be strong. He's got to be able to throw other really big people uh, down on the ground and block them when they're running towards the quarterback. So, they, you know, they've, they've got to be big. They've got to be strong. They've got to be fast. But there's a quality that probably the, the average novice overlooks, which is incredibly, incredibly important, and that is balance. They actually get this, and I've shared this before just because I think it's so fascinating. Some professional football teams hire ballet instructors to come in and teach and train these 300-pound linemen uh, how to have balance. And you can just see, like, the ballet instructor kind of strutting in, you know, to the training facility, you know, feeling like finally they get their vindication after getting teased and beat up in high school, right? And, and so they're going in, and they're training them how important balance is because it's a very overlooked quality. In various areas of life, there are qualities that are often overlooked. I've been getting into mountain biking over the last several years. You think about the important uh, sort of qualities of a good mountain biker. Uh, well, balance actually is pretty, pretty important, so that's true. Balance is important. Uh, also, being able to know, and this is related to balance, when to shift your weight forward, when to shift it backwards. These are qualities of a good a mountain biker. Uh, knowing that, that actually when there's a lot of obstacles coming, that speed is usually your friend. Like you're tempted to slow down, but you're usually better off to go faster. Right? So these are qualities of a good mountain biker. They know this. But, but one that, that, that recently sort of I, I came to appreciate, but nobody had ever really said this to me before. It was when I look at a really good mountain biker, they're completely relaxed. They're just relaxed, and that seems to help them as they are riding, right? So that, that's an overlooked quality. In any area of life, there are often overlooked qualities that are really crucial to being able to live that out well. Now, as we look at this passage today, I believe that what it highlights for us is an overlooked quality of spiritual maturity. What does a spiritually mature person look like? And of course, when we think of, you know, spiritual maturity, we can, well, we can go straight to kind of your standard uh, Bible teachings, right? Well, there's someone that follows the Ten Commandments. They don't kill anybody. They don't murder. They don't commit adultery. And, and they don't, I know Jesus upped it a few levels, right? They don't get mad at people. And uh, they don't, you know, whatever. They, they're just, they're good people. They're good moral people. And we might think that way. Those are the qualities of a spiritually mature person. Uh, we can go with the fruit of the Spirit, as Paul describes in Galatians, people who are uh, spiritually mature. They, they have, you know, there's joy in their life, and there's patience, and there's peace, and there's kindness. And we can sort of identify, we can see these qualities, and, and these, okay, this is what a spiritually mature person looks like. But I think what this passage does is it, it, it actually it highlights for us one that is overlooked, and it is a quality that actually makes all of those other spiritual maturity characteristics possible. That if you, if you embody this particular characteristic, 
You're going to find following the Ten Commandments to be a lot easier. You're going to find that the fruit of the Spirit more naturally emerges in your life if this quality is a part of your life. And what, what, what is that quality that emerges here? It is thankfulness. Today we are continuing. If you were here last week, you're like, well, I know where he's going with this, right? <clears throat> we are continuing in our series called Thankfulness, a three-week series which we began last week. We're continuing up into next Sunday as well, leading up to the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day. And we are using this time to encourage one another to cultivate thankfulness, to sort of cultivate the habit of thankfulness. And uh, we, we have in, in the back, as you go in the back to avail yourself of the treats and conversation and all that, you'll notice that there is a tree, right? a tree uh, that we have put up, which we are calling the Thanksgiving tree. And that's a tree that changes over the seasons. Uh, Over the seasons, it will morph, and it will represent different themes of the season, encouraging different aspects of the Christian life in your own life. But during this season, so just till Thanksgiving, it's the Thanksgiving tree. And it's an opportunity for you, we encourage you to do this, to go back there, there are these little paper leaves, and to write down on those leaves what you're thankful for and tape them to the tree as a way of cultivating this spirit of thankfulness. And then as you walk through that back room, the, the gathering place, may it help to encourage you to become more and more thankful. We, we see thankfulness, I, I think we see thankfulness as a core part of what, what it means to be spiritually mature because this psalm is all about thankfulness. It's, it's wrapped in thankfulness. The first three verses all mention giving thanks to God and then the last verse, verse 26, mentions giving thanks to God. It's all about giving thanks to God. And I would suggest then that those other qualities of spiritual maturity that we think about, they become more natural. They flow more naturally when thankfulness is a part of who we are. Let's just kind of look at Ten Commandments a little bit here. You see, a thankful person is not likely to commit adultery. Right? A thankful person, they're thankful for what they have. They're not likely to go looking somewhere else. A thankful person, for the same reason, is not likely to steal. You have never met a thankful bank robber. You're, they're thankful, as we saw last week, because well, what it means to be, you're thankful for what you have. You're thinking about what you have, not what you don't have. And so if you have this thankfulness, well, these things are just going to, thou shalt not covet. A thankful person is not going to covet their neighbor's wife, their neighbor's ox, you know, their neighbor's car, whatever it is. The thankful person isn't going to covet because they're thankful for what they have. Patience, kindness, all of these things flow out of thankfulness. A person who doesn't complain, right? Why don't they complain? Because they're thankful for what they have. All of these dimensions of spiritual maturity flow out of thankfulness. Think about regret for a minute, for a minute. Think about regret. How many of us have lost so much joy because of regret? How many of us have have found joy being stolen from us because we, we think about the past and we regret 
things that have happened, decisions that have been made, and that steals our joy. You see, the thankful person doesn't live in a place of regret. Thankfulness is a quality out of which these, these, other, these other aspects of spiritual maturity flow. Joy. We saw this last week. Joy, right? How, how, do, you, how do you get joyful? And I'm just going to kind of pick up on where I left off last week and just kind of put it this way here. How do you want to get joyful? How do you get joyful by being ridiculously thankful? There, I'm going to add that to last week. I said be thankful. I said if you want to be joyful, be thankful. This week I'm going to say be ridiculously thankful. Right, because joy, I don't know for, some, for you, but oftentimes for me, when I'm not thankful, joy is a fleeting emotion, right? It comes and goes. I don't know when it's, it's going to come. I don't know when it's going to go. But if you, if you want to find joy in your life on a consistent basis, be thankful. Don't just be thankful. Be ridiculously thankful. Here's what I mean by <clears throat> ridiculously thankful. Let's imagine here for a moment that you have a bad day. Okay? Ever happened before? Imagine this. You have a bad day. So you go to work, uh, you, you've, been, you know, you've been hoping you're going to get this promotion, there's a new spot that opened up, new position, you've been hoping you'd get it, you get called into the office and the boss says, no, uh, you didn't get it, Jerry got it, and you're like, oh my gosh, Jerry got it, right? And so you're, you're just like, you're so, you're so sad, you didn't get the position, Jerry got the position, you come out of his office and another one of your coworkers comes in, bumps into you, spills coffee all over your shirt, and so they, oh, you're like, you, you know, you, you go and you get your extra shirt that you have for, you know, things like that. But it doesn't match your pants. So all day you're having to explain to people, yeah, yeah, I, I know it's, I spilled coffee on my shirt. It's just, it's just a terrible day, right? And so, so then, you, then you go out, you finally, the day finally gets finished, and you go to get in your car, and there's a parking ticket. And you, I mean, you've parked in the same spot for five years, but apparently last night, you know, rezoning or something like that, and you didn't know, and so now you've got a ticket. And so you drive home, and you're sitting on the couch, and all you can think about, you didn't get that promotion, and, and you, you, Jerry got the promotion, and, and, and they spilled coffee on your shirt, and you got a parking ticket. And, and so there you are you're on the couch after driving home after this terrible day. How are you going to be thankful? And I'll tell you, just do this. Be thankful you didn't get in a car accident on the way home. Just be ridiculously, th- well, you know, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful I'm, I, I'm in a place to sit on the couch complaining. I'm thankful that I can sit here and complain in the comfort of my own home. I'm not in the hospital. So thankful for that. Well, but what if it's even worse? What if you do get in a car accident? And so now you're in the hospital after, you know, you didn't get the promotion. You get coffee spilled on your shirt. You got a parking ticket. You, you, you got a broken arm. Be thankful you don't have two broken arms. Listen, the only thing that should kill our thankfulness is death. And then you're not going to be worried about anything at that point. You're going to be very thankful then. Be ridiculously thankful. Just be thankful about silly things. Be thankful that you can eat gluten. If you can eat gluten, be thankful. If you can have a bagel, just be really, really pumped about that. Be thankful that when you pee, it doesn't hurt. Just be thankful. Be thankful that the Jets aren't 0 and 9, right? It could be worse. Be ridiculously thankful. That will lead to joy. Just yesterday, um, a friend came by our church late last night. His name's Tracy. He showed up at the church. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last 
three years, Tracy showed up. The women were actually having a craft night. Uh, Tracy showed up. Um, It was for girls, you know, so it wasn't really for him. Uh, Let me tell you about Tracy. Tracy's homeless. And over the last three years, Tracy has stopped by, uh, usually about once a year, He'll come by, and, and oftentimes we'll sit out on the picnic table. He usually comes a little bit earlier. We were kind of wondering, actually, if he was going to come by. He usually comes by earlier in the season, and, and we'll, we'll make him a meal, give him a sandwich, give him uh, you know, just something to kind of help him out, whatever he needs, and, and, then, and then he moves on. Uh, but you got to understand something about Tracy is that Tracy, at least from what I have seen, is a very joyful person. Tracy has a bike. He's got a garbage bag with a bunch of clothes in it and a backpack. That's all he has. Tracy, Tracy has difficulty speaking sometimes. There's some challenges that he has there as well. But Tracy's a joyful man. And even just yesterday we were talking about thankfulness, and he goes, I'm just so thankful I can see. And he's just a smile on his face. He's so joyful that he can see. You want to find joy? You don't need much. You just need to be ridiculously thankful. So in this passage, we are exhorted to be thankful. And in this passage, though, it begins to unpack further Two things. Who are we thankful to and what are we thankful for? Who are we thankful to and what are we thankful for? First of all, who are we thankful to? And it makes it very clear here. Give thanks to the Lord, the first three verses. So our thanks should be directed towards God. We are thankful to God. And the reason why this is important is because it's encouraging us to move beyond just a sort of vague attitude of gratitude, right? Just sort of a vague, I'm just, I'm just grateful, you know, sort of vague attitude of gratitude. I think I might have mentioned, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but I remember hearing a podcast where they were debating with this atheist on whether or not an atheist can be thankful or not. And, and I'm hearing this atheist talking about, he's, he's, oh, he's grateful. And it, it, it kind of felt like you're like, Someone who doesn't believe in God, who's thankful, it's a little bit like somebody who goes to shoot free throws, but there's no basketball hoop. I mean, they're just, you're throwing, it, there's a disconnect here. Like you're shooting hoops, but there's no hoop to put it in. It's like, a, it's like a swimmer who says they love to swim, but they never go anywhere where there's water. You see, it's, we're not just talking about a sort of attitude of gratitude. For, for thankfulness to be meaningful, there's got to be an object I am thankful to, and in this case, of course, we're talking about thankful to God. In fact, I, I, would, I would suggest that even that kind of attitude of thankfulness, when someone just has that sort of vague attitude of thankfulness, that, that's a sign of their heart believing in God, even if their mind doesn't recognize it. Their heart is, is connecting with this this reality of God even if their mind doesn't recognize it. So this helps us to see the object of our thanks. We're thankful to 
God. And, and this passage reminds us that our thankfulness, when we direct our thankfulness, it's to God and not to someone else. This passage talks about how he is the God of gods. We see this in verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods. It's a way of saying, hey, look, God is the one in the end who deserves all of the credit, is worthy of the praise and the thanks for everything that we have. Let me just kind of put it this way. In other words, we should get in the habit of not so much thanking people, but thanking God for people. This is actually one of the things you notice if you look in, in the, the letters that the Apostle Paul writes. I, I don't know for sure if he never thanks people, but usually what he does is he thanks God for them. So he's like, the people, he's writing to the people in Ephesus, I thank God for you. I thank God for what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Love your ministry. He says this to the Philippians. But he doesn't really say, I thank you for doing what you're doing. He says, I thank God for what you are doing. Realizing that in the end, God is the one we're thankful to. I mean, I, it, I should say thank you to my wife more than I do. I should. Uh, especially this last month. My wife has just been giving herself... I mean, admittedly, it's kind of embarrassing. People have asked me if we've been sleeping, and I've said, well, I have been, <laughs> right? My wife has been sacrificially giving herself for our family, and, and I thank her, but even more so, I'm thankful to God for her. I'm thankful to God for the gift that she is. So, so this thankfulness is Who? Who is it for? Well, it's, it's who is it to? It's to God. I mean, another way of saying this, and just thinking about how this applies to how we think about life, is that as Christians, we should realize we are blessed, not lucky. Blessed, not lucky, right? Is that when something goes well for you, it's like, oh, I thank my lucky stars, right? No, it's like a pirate, right? Because that's how you usually say it, right? Yeah, sometimes I slip into my pirate voice. It just kind of comes out sometimes. But, you know, this, this idea of, of thanking our lucky stars, luck, just the notion of luck, we think of it as, no, no, we are, we're blessed. I mean, verse 9, right, says here that God made the moon and the stars, right? That, that phrase, thanking your lucky stars, it comes from the fact that in the ancient world, they used to think that the stars in the heavens were, were gods, and, of course, long before astronomers came along and said, actually, no, they're just burning balls of helium, uh, the Bible has said, no, has already said thousands of years before, these are created things. And you, know, you don't thank them. We thank God. We're not lucky. We're blessed. Or as another way, of, and I've said this before, the game of Monopoly gets it wrong, right? In most houses, you've got the Monopoly game, and you've got two decks of cards, uh, you've got community chest, and you've got what? Chance. No, no, not in my house. It's community chest and providence. They're providence cards. It's this recognition that everything comes from God. Our thankfulness is directed to him. He's the who. And then what? This passage not only encourages us to direct it towards God, but then also what are we thankful for? And two things. The first thing is thankfulness for creation. Right? Now that's really this is broken, and you'll see into two sections, creation and salvation. The first one is creation. Thankfulness to God for creation. To him alone, to him alone who does 
great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, and the moon and stars to govern the night. Now, I think what's interesting about this passage, a key word here that can help us to understand what it means to be thankful for creation is the word govern, right? It says, thankful to God for the the sun, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. This is a word that points to the reality that God's creation is very well ordered. It's very consistent. You you can, well, if you're a sailor, you can mark your position in the middle of the ocean based on the position of the stars. You can, you, we can, you can look on your app right now, and it'll tell you exactly when the sun is going to go down. Because it's consistent. There is an order to it. When, when this is celebrating God as the creator of God, it's also celebrating the order and the consistency that is there. That order and that consistency that makes our life possible, that protects us and enables us to survive. You see, to be thankful for the order of creation is to recognize this. Things go right way more than they go wrong. In life, things go right way more than they go wrong. Listen, when you turn on the news, what makes news interesting is that they, they identify something that doesn't usually happen. That's the whole point. You've got to realize how news works. The whole point of what, what they're trying to do is, is tell you something that doesn't usually happen. Now, if, I mean, just that insight should totally change the way you think about the news. Because we see things on the news like, oh, my gosh, the world's falling apart. The world's falling apart. They are showing you the world falling apart. They're showing you stuff that isn't normally what happens. Right? I mean, if there's a plane crash, you're going to hear about it. But do you know what the chances are of you getting in a plane crash? I mean, how many, I mean, most of us here, how many times have you gone on a plane and got off a plane? Things go right way more than they go wrong. This is, you look at the order of of creation. Look, yes, okay, Um, you could get, you could, the flu vaccine might not work for you. You could get the flu and die this year. That could happen. But it probably won't. An aneurysm could go in your brain. You could collapse, smack your head on one of these pews. It echo throughout the church. That could happen. But it probably won't. Because things go right way more than they go wrong. We have a tendency to focus on those things that go wrong when things go right way more often. A a tree could, this happens, a tree could fall crash into your house, into your bedroom. That could happen. But more than likely, my guess is that for most of us, the tree didn't come through your window. The tree, the leaves, they just changed colors. They turned to yellow or to orange, to red. And the creation is beautiful way more often than it is dangerous. To be thankful for creation is to recognize this. And I think this is important going to this notion of, of beauty, actually, that when we look at the order of creation, this is something I've talked about, the order of creation, beauty is a higher form of order. That's what beauty is. Beauty is a higher form of 
of order. I, I say this all the time. A musician who, whose music is beautiful is a musician who has, who has mastered the order of musical theory, right? So beauty is a higher form of order. And we actually see this in the Bible when you look at the story of creation, which is an ordering story. It's about God bringing order to chaos. And the word that is used to describe this order is the word tov, which is translated as good, right? So he makes the, he makes the, the, the sea and the, the land, and it is good, right? So he, he makes the stars, he makes the moon, the sun, and it is good. These are the things that it says in Genesis chapter 1. Now, that word tov that means good is also used later on in the book of Genesis to mean beauty. Same word, talking about the daughters of men that are, in English translations, translated as beautiful. But it's the same word. And what it's showing us is this relationship between order and beauty. So to thank God for the order of his creation is another way of saying that we should be thankful for beauty. In other words, a thankful person who's thankful for creation is a person who recognizes that there is beauty all around them. I mean, you want to find joy in your life? Be thankful for the beauty that is all around you. The beauty in the person sitting to your right. The beauty in the person sitting to the left. There is beauty all around you, creation is beautiful way more than it is dangerous. Another way of saying this is a person who recognizes, who's thankful for creation, is a person who lives in a state of constant total amazement. That's a phrase from one of the greatest movies of all time, Joe versus the Volcano. Anybody? unbelievable movie about a guy who thinks he's going to die, and so he makes a deal to, with, with a rich guy to jump into a volcano. Those are, those are the kind of, that's kind of what it's about. Anyway, so he, Joe, he thinks he's going to die. He, this rich guy convinces him to jump into a volcano. He's like, if you'll jump into a volcano, then for the next 30 days, you can spend all my money, live it up, just do whatever you want. And so it's the story of Joe on his journey to this volcano to jump into it. And you discover throughout it that, that Joe is just, I mean, he's just, he's not a thankful guy. I mean, he, he just kind of denies that anything is good. He's skeptical that anything good could ever happen, all this kind of stuff. And he, he, he meets this uh, woman, Patricia, his love interest, played by Meg Ryan. And there's this scene where they're, they're sitting there, and Patricia's basically describing the difference between Joe and her father. And this is what Patricia says about her father. My father says that almost the whole world is asleep. Everybody you know, everybody you see, everybody you talk to. He says that only a few people are awake, and they live in a state of constant, total amazement. Thankfulness, cultivating thankfulness, means becoming a person who lives in a state of constant total amazement. I've shared this story before about a friend of mine in college, the four of us, there were like four or five of us sitting around a table having a conversation. I don't know what we were talking about, but my friend Katie was drinking a glass of water, and all of a sudden, she interrupts the conversation, and she goes, whoa, that is amazing. And we're like, what, Katie? She's like, she's looking at her glass of water. She goes, the water? You can see through it. And we're like, yeah, it's water. You can see through water. 
Isn't that amazing? A person who cultivates thankfulness for creation stands in a state of constant, total amazement. What are we thankful for? We're thankful for creation, and then finally, we're thankful for salvation. We find this in the, the next uh, section of this passage here, beginning in verse 10. Thanks to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the desert. And it goes on and on and on, telling the story of God delivering them, bringing salvation to the people of Israel. Now, I think when we take this and apply it to our own lives, we can apply this in a couple of ways. One, we can, we can take this psalm and see the importance of celebrating the particular ways in which God delivers us. Be thankful for the particular ways in which God brings salvation. So for the Israelites, there were particular ways in which they were saved. They were rescued from slavery in Egypt. They were rescued from the Egyptian army that was pursuing them, so on and so forth. Of course, those are particularities that I've never run from an Egyptian pharaoh. I don't know about you. Uh, but we can take the fact that it's celebrating that, and we are invited in the Psalms to read in our own particularities. So in other words, what this invites you to do is look back on your life and see all the ways in which God has delivered you. Look back on your life, right? Look back on you know, how God delivered you, uh, from that dude you were dating in high school, right? It got you out of that relationship. Or, 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 or you look back to that marital struggle that you were dealing with, and God brought you through that. You, you, you look back to the way you were stuck in, in a career, and it wasn't going anywhere, and you managed to, to get out of that. And so cultivating thankfulness for salvation encourages us to look back and celebrate those ways in which God has delivered us from the particular challenges that we have faced. But then, of course, also what we need to see as we look at this passage is how it points not simply to those particular instances of salvation, but to a more central and universal aspect of God's salvation. Here, they're celebrating about how the Israelites were brought out of Egypt, brought out of slavery. But when we come to the person of Jesus... Jesus comes along. It's very interesting what happens when Jesus comes along. Because when Jesus comes along, the the Israelites are expecting Jesus to do something quite similar to what took place here with what Moses did, what Joshua did in delivering them from these enemies. In Jesus' day, they were kind of hoping and expecting he'd do the same thing with the Romans, right? So, so that they'd be able to read this psalm and they'd be be able to say, you know, give thanks to the Lord of lords who delivered us from... This, the Roman emperor, right? That, that's what they were hoping. But, but Jesus came to say, you know what? That, that psalm, that story, that points to something much deeper. God, for one thing, God didn't come to deliver us just from other people that we're not getting along with. He came to deliver us from something much deeper, much bigger. Jesus comes along to say, I came to deliver you from sin and death and darkness. 
I came to deliver you from the things that cause all of these conflicts in the first place. I came to deliver you from ultimate harm, ultimate captivity. And so, you see, what we, what we need to look at here when we celebrate, the thankful, uh, celebrate with thankfulness what God has done for us is, is really this. I mean, as I've been reflecting on what does it mean to, to be thankful for God's salvation, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are set free from death itself, is the, only, the only thing I could come to is this. A thankful person is a person who realizes that in light of God's salvation, they are invincible. You see, we should walk around, the more thankful we are, let me put it that way, the more we cultivate thankfulness in our lives, the more invincible we will feel. The more in any situation we find ourselves in, the more we will sense whatever comes my way, I'm going to be okay. You see, I, I think most of us, instead of walking around with, with a sense of invincibility, we walk around uh, feeling like life is really just a version of the game you never know. Life is just one big game of you never know. I don't know if you ever played you never know. I mean, I actually made it up. Maybe there actually is a game called You Never Know. But when I, with my kids, we, we came up with this game called You Never Know. And here's, here's what we used to play this a couple of years ago. The kids would walk around the coffee table, and I would sit on the couch. And as they're walking around the coffee table, I would sit on the couch, and I would just say over and over again, You never know. You never know. You never know when the monster's going to get you. And I'd grab them and pull them on the couch. And they loved it, right? They'd, <laughs> they'd get all scared. When's the monster going to get them? And... And they, I don't know, they love being scared. Um, I think they take from my wife, who loves to go to horror movies with their lady friends and get scared and laugh. Uh, I'm the complete opposite. If I went to the horror movie, I would scream, uh, cry, and maybe vomit. But whatever. So my kids, they like, love kind of getting scared like she does. Um, but, but they know, right, because they know it's not real. They know it's daddy. That's hugging them. But my point is, is, this game called You Never Know, and I think some of us, not in a fun game kind of way, but we go through life just feeling like, you never know. You just, you, you, never, you never know what's going to happen. You never know when you're going to get that call from the school that your kids got in a fight. You never know when you're going to, walk into your office and you're going to get that pink slip. You never know. You never know when you go to the doctor, you're going to find out that you've got something severe. And we walk around with this, like my kids walking around the coffee table and life is just this state of anxiety saying, you never know, you never know, you never know. The more that we cultivate thankfulness, the more that that you-never-know mentality will be replaced by a sense of invincibility. That no matter what comes, God, who in the person of Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave, no matter what comes your way, you will be fine. And, And this is an invincibility, you see, that is fueled by thankfulness, not by arrogance. 
right? I mean, you, you can have people who walk around with this sort of, you know, invincible kind of attitude that's fueled by their own arrogance. And the truth is that kind of sense of invincibility, that sense of confidence is usually a show. It's not real. They're acting really confident, but it's really just masking deep insecurities. No, the, the, the kind of invincibility that is not a show is rooted in thankfulness for the salvation that is available to us in Christ. Friends, I encourage you this season, as we come into approaching Thanksgiving Day, don't wait until Thanksgiving Day to start thinking about being thankful. Spend time now cultivating thankfulness in your life. The more thankful you are, the more you will feel invincible. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we come before you this morning and we praise you for the gospel. We praise you. You are a good God who created all things, created them with order and beauty. God, we praise you that even though we have turned against you, we have turned away from the goodness of your creation and sought to do things on our own. God, that you love us and you have sought us out and you have sought to deliver us from our own sin and to deliver us from the brokenness that is the result of sin. God, I pray that you would cultivate in us a thankfulness to you for those things. God, that we might just walk with a lightness of step, a sense of invincibility in the midst of whatever we face. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.